From Yoga Ayurveda Living, I am Kelly Marie Mills, and this is The Dosha Life, a podcast for wellness seekers, happiness curators, and those interested in tools, tips, and secrets coming from the wisdom of yoga and Ayurveda. Welcome to my happy place. This is Series 8, Episode 4. You're on the secrets of the salty taste and the pungent taste of Ayurveda. Let's briefly revisit the last real thought I left you with in Episode 3. Keep in mind that all the tastes are as valuable, but also have the same capacity to harm us as each other. What we take in every day becomes our medicine or our poison, so to speak. It is pretty dark, isn't it? But far too true than we ever hope to imagine. The body has its own life cycle of letting go, shedding, and rebuilding. But do you? A bit of early homework this week. Ask yourself, in your lifestyle, what could you do without this week? What pastime or hobbies are outdated for you? What repetitive thoughts no longer fit your body or your intentions? What can you leave behind right now to begin to fulfill your life purpose? Small steps, even just one more step into self-care can be the rebalance necessary to shift the sands of courage to trust that there is more happiness waiting for you in the next moment and the next moment and every day ahead of this. Ayurveda is not just about food and beauty. I know you guys know that, otherwise you wouldn't be here. It is about survival and then living well living well with creativity, shining and standing in our light, loving and to be loved, learning to speak our truth with discernment and communication, and the unwavering power to listen to our own intuitive sense and ultimately finding peace within us as an individual and as the collective. So, (laughs) it's really hard to come out of that work of reflection. So I think it's best that I just schmooze us and lead you and your vata into a gentle turn toward the preserver of the group. That is the group of six tastes. The next taste we visit. And yeah, there is an order that the six tastes come in. And there's a reason why. So Ayurveda is a medicine of enumeration. There is no step that does not have a necessary step before it. Each step in the science is how we grow healthy cells or datu, or how we begin to reduce the quality of our datu by not following our natural balance. So giving you a little bit of a shake if you are dozing off or gone off into other thinking onto some other tangent, because we are on the third most used and normalized taste of the modern world. I'll give you one brief moment to think, 
about which tastes are most relevant in the Western world. It didn't take you more than a blink of an eye, I bet, and you're right. The three tastes that are most relevant in the Western world are sweet, sour, and the last one, salty. Lavana rasa, the salty taste. And when you think of salty, what comes to your mind? Straight away, I go to crisps, or if you're in the USA, chips. Tato or Lay's? You're probably not that surprised to hear that these are all, no matter what the name or the country of origin, absolute death to digestion because the whole mashup of mix of tastes in one simple food or a crisp or chips, dry vata running out into the fields, those fields that are alive, but there's no music because those sort of chips, those crisps, actually have so many tastes combined within them that vata ha- finds them very hard to digest, so their, their digestive music is banished. But that doesn't mean that we can't have them on occasion. It's just everything in moderation for Ayurveda. And the moderation, that idea of moderation, really only comes if our digestion is very balanced. We can't really do that if our digestion is already out of balance because anything then added on top of the imbalance just creates more imbalance. Salty, or lavana rasa, is one of the most straight-up in-your-face tastes. It sits just at the back of your tongue on each side, and it just follows right after the sour tastiness spots way far back in the cheap seats that you hardly see. Salty is hard to find outside of a few sources. And can you think of a few? I bet there's only a few you can think of. The ocean, yeah. Seaweed, fishes, the shore, and of course plain salt from the salt mines. And that's where that name came from, isn't it? The salt of the earth. But like seriously, what a job. Can you imagine how disastrously back-breaking working on the salt mines must have been, and perhaps probably still is in some form? But I was only thinking how it must be so hard on the skin and the eyes. It would just, wow, pitta would be just exploding, and so would vata. And don't forget that we have that vegetable. Weird old celery. I just don't get it. How? How is it so salty? But it's great to have a veg that is like a gold mine of salt within it. So thinking of salty, yes, it's fire. And then we add that element of water with it. And it's so dry, and yet it's part water. And of course, that's why it pulls water to the area. The salt enhances flavors because of the blend of fire and its own pull of our own saliva to its taste. It's like a magnet. I know I can see your mind going and your taste buds going when you're visualizing it and tasting it in your mouth. It just pulls on our taste buds and draws the saliva towards the the taste buds themselves. But it also aggravates thirst and creates edema. It's a bit of a slippery slope, but, you know, it's just as soon as we have it, we seem to want more. So easy does it. There is a good trick I learned, because, y'all, you know I tend to overdo things when I get stuck in a rut. So for a while, I was using more salt than I would have before. And it was to liven up the taste of my food. 
because my kapha dosha was quite dominant in my taste buds. And that means that there is a dullness in my taste due to the congestion, due to the sweet taste being too strong. And it was like, you can relate it to too much saliva or you can relate it to phlegm, but it is that excess tissue, that excess water that's arriving in the taste buds that creates a dullness. And so I wanted more salt to get a bit of kick out of my dull. And <laughs> that's really not a good way to treat the doshas. <laughs> so you don't add more reasons for kapha to get more dominant than by adding sea salt. And sea salt is even more dry than Himalayan salt. This causes the increase of water in the kapha dosha. And aka that can mean more congestion, but also weight gain. And you're also adding more fire in your pitta and aka acid or pitta moving into your skin or even affecting your eyes if your eyes are already sore from watching or working on the computer. And it's anywhere where there's extra heat, this added heat into the diet will go straight into pitta or kapha. So I had to cut it out. And I, you're, you're like thinking, what, are you, what were you thinking about? But exactly that, I wasn't. I was doing what I could in an automatic way to enliven my diet, to enliven myself, to inspire myself. And then one day I just remembered, oh yeah, I probably could do without all this salt. And it did take a while, but that's what Kapha does. She'd be fairly stuck and stubborn. So what I did was I did my little trick. I moved the salt off the table so that I had to get up to put it on my food. And it's a cute deterrent. But more than that, it's a reminder and it's a way for me to press pause and ask myself, do I really need more? Is it going to enhance my health? And if you start to ask questions like this, do I need this? Do I want it? Am I going to appreciate it? The ego, the ahamkara, is always going to tell you, yes, take it, take it, yes, you need more. But in that pausing moment, you're giving discernment time to actually arrive before the automatic takes over. And so there is a good reason for that saying, just take it with a pinch of salt. Of course, because of the fire, which is rajasic, the life principle of disruption or dispersed energy, it's one of the three gunas, it stimulates our digestive power and in the right amounts, due to the water and fire combined, helps soothe vata problems with ease. Like it, it works on vata quite easily. It balances vata in the correct amount, but any excess, again, is hard on all the doshas. So it is to create um, less is more practice when we're using the tastes for our healing to really know that if we start big, it's hard to remove it because we've got used to it. So it's better to start small and add very slowly. Most of all, I don't want to encourage anyone to use excess salt to relieve any vata problems because it's not going to help relieve anxiety or butterflies in your stomach because there's healthier ways to ease these symptoms. <laughs> but, and, and many of those are in my past podcasts already, especially the early ones. So generally, with salt for vata, we combine it with spices to help create a soothing blend that you would love to have on everything. We do our best in Ayurveda to seek sattva, you know, the, which adds to the non-harming attitude towards our healing. For vata spices before meals 
helps with the imbalances because it's working on the digestion. Spices in foods and as a condiment for all the doshas really add to our dosha balance. And to be honest, like my kitchery is and never will be the same, having learned um, how to actually make a good spice mix. And it's a, a main go-to for my meals, even if it's not an Ayurvedic meal. I often add them to like potatoes and rice, these spices that I have pre-blended. Salt can be a laxative, but only if it's used correctly. And I don't recommend it, but that is one of its effects. But it's also a decongestion. And for those kapha type with congestion, this is where salt is great. But a lot of you are thinking, why would we take salt exactly? You're not going to take it. You're going to use it externally to the neti pot. So the nasal water and salt wash. And there are parts of the neti pot usage that I believe need a little bit of support from a teacher on how to use the neti pot for your best benefit. So if you are interested in ever learning the neti pot, just let me know. Um, I might actually try and do something with it because I know there's so many people that suffer from congestion or sinusitis or a nasal drip. And this practice is really quite transformative. It helps to develop a better environment in the nasal passage. The other thing with the neti pot is that it develops clarity and connection to the intuitive center, so into the sixth chakra and working on that third eye point and combined with, you know, maybe the use of a herb called Brahmi, which helps to develop discernment. This can be a very calming vata practice and can be used long term. Remember, vata rules the whole nervous system, so if we find practices that work for us, using them over the term of three months or more can really be life-changing. Finding that um, sattva, that harmonious balance arrives and we make easier, more discerning decisions when sattva arrives. We can't forget that the body literally needs salt to have optimal function, especially for muscles and digestion. Salt is vital for life support. But I don't want you to just think it's just salt. We need all the six tastes in our body as much as we need them in our food. Salt gives us the gusto and that push of verb and, and verve and enthusiasm. And conversely, even in its specific power to be able to preserve food sources, it creates possessiveness, greed, and attachment if you take it in the wrong dosage. But like, how can that be true? Easy. Think of how salt can create the need for more of everything. But I certainly can, because its action is to want to consume or transform. That's actually the, what we use salt for. And it wants to preserve and hold on to things. So if we take too much and we're a kapha type, it creates edema because we're holding on to more, more water in our body. And that excess salt creates edema. But for now, investigating for yourself the foods of lavana or the salty taste, finding celery, you know, use them as in a taste first. Discover the taste itself. 
and become familiar with the taste itself. Because the difference between the celery saltiness and sea salt and Himalayan salt, it's all very different and all in different doses as such. You're going to find that the sea salt is like so sparky and then the Himalayan salt is quite different and more dense or I guess heavy density it, because it's coming from the mountain rather than the ocean. So its benefit for vata is higher. And part of the practice for your week would be to experiment with less salt first, then no salt, and then adding the smallest addition of salt to your meal. And then once again, going back to the practice that you had last week, which was trying the trio before meals of salt, lemon or lime, and a little bit of ginger, and see what happens to your digestion with that. They're all real small things to do, and even just doing it one day, you'll just get a lot of benefit from the discovery of salt and its power. So we have covered now sweet, sour, and salty, the three most familiar and overused tastes in the modern world. When we start to expand beyond these tastes, you will be seriously amazed how your life, how your taste buds, how your tastes even, as in the taste of expansion, but also how it changes our view of life, also changes. And it changes with our taste buds, leading us into a wildly tasty life. <laughs> and we leave the salt of the earth. And you know, when you think of someone like that, you know, salt of the earth, and they're sturdy, and I don't know, sometimes I think, you know, it's like the older person sitting in the corner, you know, <laughs> it sounds really bad, but you know, a bit crusty, you know, they're, 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 they're dry, even their humor is dry, you know, they're wry, they're, um, yeah, you know, they're just kind of curious. And salt, it, it does add this curiousness to food. It just has such a strong effect. Even sometimes someone that's a bit harsh, it's like, wow, that's kind of, you know, coarse and rough around the edges. And even salt itself can look that way. Even mineral salt or sea salt looks that way, doesn't it? So we continue into the six tastes of Ayurveda, um, we start standing into the heat of pungency. It would be nice and warming until you realize you're in a field of wild garlic. And man, does that smell, especially early on. And if you have a dog, watch. They probably avoid walking through the leaves of wild garlic. And I, uh, garlic? Garlic. Gar wild garlic. But I assume it's because it's like a natural garlic fact factory. And it must be a bit suspicious or else... If you have a real small dog and they're the height of wild garlic, can you imagine the oil residue on them and maybe affecting their eyes and a little bit of a burn going on? Or worse yet, it must be like there's a, a skunk lurking somewhere. How to see pungent or katu rasa in another person? I, I think it's the one who winds you up, gets you going off on a rant or stamping a foot or shouting. Of course, they could be stamping their foot and balking at you. Whatever their behavior, it could bring up something in you 
or you see it in them, pungency demands attention. Whether you like it or not, it will be seen, it will be tasted strong. And this behavior is probably in the person who knows exactly what to do to get you to react like you were still nine years old and someone broke your amazing butterfly yo-yo and you're still feeling the pain even today. Oh yeah, my butterfly yo-yo, I do remember that. You know, it used to light up as it rolled down from the middle finger and then, then you'd pull on your middle finger would rise and it would jump up into your hand and then it was broken by my brother. I won't say anything. <laughs> so I have worked on forgiving him for it. <laughs> Pungency, the Kachi Raza, is the blend of fire and air, so it's getting lighter now. We only need to think of a flying fireball to get that visual. So it gets hot and sometimes stinky too, depending on what the fire has to eat, depending on the element the fire cozies up to in our digestion. Herbs that you might relate to or even love or cringe from are the deadly hot ones, and the hotter and drier the climate they come from, the hotter and drier the taste, like the cayenne and ginger and chilies. Bit of a homework spoiler there. Our tongue, which is so important for digesting our life properly, and remember, it's significantly related to our sense of smell. So if you have a bit of congestion, like I was saying earlier, I know I said it, is that, you know, our sense will be, a sense of taste will be dulled a bit, which might be a good thing for pungency, especially for a pitta type. You might even have some sort of anomaly where one taste is hard to discover and embrace it. And let's just leave it there and say that Ayurveda has ways to help reverse a little bit of a blip in our body. You know, if there's there's a small imbalance, Ayurveda can often find a way to to turn it around as long as it's not there for like 40 years. Although I have seen that, you know, things can change quite quickly for old imbalances that just have been stuck for a while. But anyway, so this pungent taste, right? It's in the middle and middle of the front of your tongue. Remember, sweet is at the tip, and the sour is on the front bends. Pungent is in the middle, and salty is the far, far back sides. It's logical that it's right there in front, because it's going to warn you in plenty of time that it's going to be a code red coming down the throat any second. So we know that tastes of that have heat are, are, are often carminative, so they, they soothe the digestion, they help to support the digestion, and they can often be very good for nausea depending on the source and the amount. But like I was saying, depending on the strength, we start small and then you can build it up to make sure that your digestion is suited to it, especially when we're not sure how our body reacts to the certain elements. Pungent is a stimulant, so set so that means it's rajasic, okay? So that means that it's going to enliven things and make things work higher. It gets each datu or each com like comparative to a cell, it gets their tiny little digestive power fired up and then it warms us from the inside out, this, this pungency. So you might find if you have a bit of cayenne pepper or you have some ginger root tea that you start to sweat a little or that you feel warm from the inside out. Like a kapha type may not notice it so much because they'd have to have more of the, the amount of it. 
to find an effect unless they have a bit of pitta in their digestion, unless they have a bit of heat in their dosha balance. There's so many people that are kapha pitta or pitta kapha blend. So it is when you know that, then you'll know straight away by when you eat something very pungent, if you suddenly feel really hot or you get flushed, that you, you have a propensity to have more heat in your body. So that means it's more pitta. And it's great for those that have very pungency is great for those that have variable digestion. And that means like a vata out of balance or a slow digestive power, and that's for kapha. But you have to use less if you have a hot digestion or a digestion that shows up like acid or burning in the center of the body or even a rash on your, your skin. So when you think of how heating some pungency can be, look at it as it tends to push things around. It warms us and it removes coolness. So for me in the winter, I'm almost always drinking ginger root tea. Also, it can push indigestion upward and feel very unpleasant because a flame, you know, the way a fire works, it flames up, so it can push that acid up. Our body is always looking to remove things that don't work well for it. So it, that's kind of its, its whole go-to. It removes stuff that isn't working mainly through the elimination system, the respiratory system or the skin. It naturally uses a panavayu as the action to remove it correctly. But if you want to refresh on a panavayu, go to January 5th, 2021 or February 5th, 2021 for more information. Um, those episodes will help. The body wants to remove toxins in the most effective and fast way, so that should be through a panavayu. But when it comes to digestion, if something needs to be expelled, it will be pushed out. You know, if it, it, if it needs to be expelled because it's not digestible at that moment, it would be pushed out to the nearest and easiest exit in the alimentary canal. And if it can't find an exit for many reasons, the body absorbs the toxins in an effort to find the next best option. But any toxin hanging around is really an undesirable visitor, no duh. And so they're called vata roga, pitta roga, or kapha roga. And so the reason I'm talking about apanavayu is because when um, we have too much pungency and it pushes that indigestion upward, that means that something like the acid is trying to go out the nearest exit. So what we need to do is reverse the pungency, reverse the, find a remedy for this need for this toxin to be removed, this excess uh, agony, this bile coming up, and find a way to allow it to soothe and, and, and find a way to heal that dosha which is having problems, which is in pain in some form. So we're always trying to go back to apanavayu. What has happened to apanavayu that it cannot work properly through the digestive system? There's a dual thing that goes on. Pungency creates an opening of the channels in the body. And remember that it's fire and air. So fire is heat and air is movement, but also air is drying. And so is fire. 
<laughs> so what you need is you need to find a way to not have too much pungency depending on your dosha balance. And that's why all that movement, we, we don't want all that movement and all that warming because it doesn't suit everyone. Just to note, as we ease our way onward, we know that there's six tastes and each dosha does well with three of the tastes. And each dosha finds that the other three are necessary for balance. If we manage to keep all the tastes in balance according to our natural rhythm, we will find definitely that our cravings that we held for certain tastes begin to ease off and that we no longer feel a need for them physically. But emotionally, we may still be attached to those things that we crave or what they represent for us. And so it's really, um, you know, it's, it's like wanting something like chocolate cake. And the chocolate cake kind of reminds me of my birthdays and the, the, the love of the birthdays. So it's like bringing me back to, I, I love chocolate cake because of that. You know, um, a random example. So that's another cycle of change and transformation in itself. Ayurveda doesn't really separate body from mind or heart or soul. Inner healing with Ayurveda is at minimum decisive action to learn what works for you and at the same time deciding to avoid what does not work for you. So that's the minimum, you know, it's choosing what foods are best for us and acknowledging that sometimes we will eat things that are not best for us. But I don't want to minimize the strength of the medicine and its foundation. Ayurveda and yoga are spiritual practices. They are not considered spiritual. They are a part of a whole spiritual science called the Sankhya system or the Sankhya philosophy. And this philosophy, this Sankhya system, takes for granted that everyone understands that we are far more than this physical body. This science, because it is a science, offers us all a chance to refine our own spiritual connection. It gives us a chance. It doesn't mean you need to do that for Ayurveda to work for you. But as we refine our own spiritual connection to what we perceive is the life source or the divine or opening into what we don't understand and allowing that to grow, that, that there is a mystery that we live the mystery every day and that we live a daily sacred however it manifests for you. You know, that, that's the part that helps us to dive deeper with Ayurveda. Ayurveda came from a deep love and desire to live in balance with nature's rhythm and the rhythm of universal consciousness. And so if we could try to live in as much balance as possible for ourselves, we are then replicating what the natural world does. So we just have a quick flash of a little bit more of the fire in the belly. So kapha is the dosha that benefits most from pungency. And it's because it's the dosha that needs more stimulation of mind and body. And this type of food source helps to support Kapha's slower digestive power because it has the two elements that are not in its own makeup. Fire and air are not any part of Kapha. Kapha is earth and water. 
And then you might think that vata would like the heat, but because pungency creates so much movement, vata needs to have another component or a food remedy to help reduce any strong reaction to this pungency. So like I was saying earlier, because vata already has air in its system, it's made up of that element as part of it, then it needs something to counterbalance that more movement. And then the heat as well will create more movement again. So what it needs is a little bit more earth or water added to it when it's, when it's using pungency. And pitta, we're adding fire on top of fire. So unless there is a nearby remedy, if they splurge and leave their inner wisdom at the door for dinner out, that's okay. But, you know, make sure that they have some dairy product near them to use to help remedy it or counterbalance it. If something is too pungent, what would be the remedy? If we're trying to quell the fire and air, we need something cooling. And like I was saying, dairy is great, but aloe vera gel is good as well, because that's like you're throwing a whole lot of really cold water on it. That effectively is what that aloe vera gel does. And for if you're going to use dairy, often something more like yogurt is better, if, especially if you just ate Tabasco sauce on an empty stomach. Ugh. But um, so that this, these two tastes, the, the salt and the pungency, they're the heating ones. And your homework this week, oh, yeah, and I keep forgetting to say that all the details of, your, of homework are in the show notes, so you can go back to them anytime um, on every episode, and you can copy and paste them from wherever you're listening, um, and then keep them somewhere for your own review. But the number one homework is just the main two tools I keep harping on about is um, ahimsa. You know, you were going to try and bring ahimsa alive into your mind and that sense of non-harming. So two questions, why are you eating and how much are you eating? And watching why you eat, especially as in, do you have the appetite for the food? Are you hungry enough for it or are you too hungry? And then you, you want to counterbalance it by, by eating too much. And so how much are you eating? And if we're not chewing our food, we often do tend to eat more because it's not registering in the digestive system. And then we find that we feel bloated because we're swallowing a lot of air in because we're not chewing our food. So the chewing helps us to breathe for each mouthful. I know, mad. Um, watching as you try to push away from food that you adore, you know, you're waiting for your dinner for like five hours. And that kickback you receive from the outraged inner child or teenager or adult inside you saying, gosh, you need this. You need more of this. You need more. We don't need to do this today. We're tired. We're angry. We're anxious. We've had a really rough day. This is the remedy to feel better. I want more. And then breathe out and discernment. Hopefully we'll speak up and say, ahem, lads, 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 sit down now. It's grand. I won't let us go hungry. We can have more. We can go get more. But how about let's sit for seven minutes first and see if we really need more and maybe have a drink of water. And sometimes that's all you need is a little bit of a small break to see, are you really hungry for more? And then the second part of the homework is discover salt. And we spoke about that, all sorts. And the best way to do it 
is reduce your salt for three days and then seek out a salty taste, one one day and then try another another day. Even trying one day with no salt at all on anything and see how salty everything is. Make sure that you understand the salty taste. And then the third part, of course, is pungent. Exploring the pungency of tastes, the hot things in life. Generally, cayenne pepper and ginger are kind of the strong ones. Garlic as well is very pungent. And the curious, the curious thing is then to um, find out where you taste these tastes in your mouth. You could even go back to sweet and sour as well and see what that's like to, to taste the different tastes in your mouth. But I keep thinking of salty and, and my mouth is watering. <laughs> okay, so um, I'm in a serious mood now to move towards a sattvic life and non-harming. So I've, I've, we've done a lot today and we'll reconvene here next week. I really do look forward to walking with you again and chatting in the next episode. I wonder maybe we should sit down and eat next time we meet. But that's it for now. Thank you so much for joining me. I look forward to chatting to you in the next episode. Make sure to download the episodes. Subscribe would be great. Tell people about it. You know, screenshot it and send it to someone you think might like the podcast. Rating it actually really, really helps. And it only takes like a few seconds on Apple Podcast. Um, the other, some of the other podcast thing, thingamahoochies, they, they actually allow ratings too. But it does really help this work get out there just from one small person trying to bring Ayurveda forward as a way to really live the daily sacred in a simple way. I wish you all a wonderful day.